Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Michael Walden. You're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Today's show topic is how environmental toxins trigger our immune systems and to an extent that our immune systems become hyperreactive, which is then called autoimmunity. Now I've done shows about autoimmunity before and many of you have probably heard and read about the fact that our bodies can poorly respond to our environments in such a way that our immune systems become hyperactive. And you'd think, well, hyperactive, more of an immune system, isn't that a good thing? Autoimmunity, that's more immunity. Wouldn't that be somehow protective and healthy? Well, the answer is an interesting one because it's partly yes and mostly no. Think of it this way. The body does nothing without some reason or reasons. So if your body is designed to respond a certain way to, let's say, mercury in the environment by causing an an aggressive immune response against the mercury for the purposes of dismantling the mercury, making it less toxic, converting it to a chemical form that's easier for the body to get rid of, that is part of the immune reactivity. Now, while this is happening, the body's dismantling mercury, various uh, soldiers, as they're called, of the immune system direct themselves against the mercury. Now, if the mercury, let's say, targets your brain cells and causes some degeneration of the brain cell nerves called neurons, then the immune system will see that degeneration in the brain and say, wait a minute, that degeneration is not normal. It must be foreign. So I'm going to target my immune system against that brain. So when we have autoimmunity, which by definition is against self, auto, against self, against the brain or any other tissue in the body that was once normal looking and now is not normal looking to your immune system, we have a vigorous autoimmune reaction. So autoimmunity, just to back up for a moment, by definition, is when the body's structure in various ways is altered and no longer appears like a normal tissue. In the case of multiple sclerosis, we have degeneration in the brain caused by, let's say, Epstein-Barr virus, And then the immune system in that person attacks the Epstein-Barr virus, but doesn't know the difference between the Epstein-Barr virus and the brain because they're just too intertwined. So this vigorous immune reaction occurs against the part of the brain where the virus hides out and has done some damage called the white matter and degenerates it, causing a certain type of degeneration known as a plaque. And then this process just continues in a vicious cycle. This is, by definition, autoimmunity. For those of you just joining us, welcome to the show. My name is Dr. Michael Wald. I'm the host of Ask the Blood Detective. We're talking about a variety of environmental triggers and how those triggers in your environment, in all of our environments, can have a deleterious effect upon any and all structures of the body. This show will be different from others because I'm going to give you details regarding these environmental triggers, which we call xenobiotics, by the way. And don't get thrown by that complex word. Xenobiotics is something that by the end of the show, you will understand everything about. And when you do, you'll be able to protect your body against these foreign xenobiotic triggers so that you do not force your immune system to respond to these triggers in these exaggerated ways chronically over time 
which causes degenerative disease. I'll just say at the outset that what is just sadly lacking in traditional medicine is that there is very little attempt for practitioners, almost no attempt, and even researchers, to look at the specific triggers in the environment that can affect many diseases. And why would you think that is? Why would you think that a look for causes isn't happening on a routine basis? Well, I'm going to leave that as an open-ended question until I get to it in a few moments. For those of you who have questions for me about this show or any other show, I want you to email me at info at blooddetective.com. That's info at blooddetective.com. And you can call me as well at 914-552-1442. I have taught autoimmune symposiums and seminars to doctors and the public over the course of decades, uh, both in the United States and abroad. I have had the privilege of being exposed to some of the smartest practitioners on the planet as I teach these seminars. And I teach these seminars not because I necessarily know more than everyone out there. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I teach these seminars because they force me to be the best that I can be. I have to prepare for many months, sometimes a full year, just to teach a two-day seminar. And then once you have exposure to several hundred practitioners who have spent money and time to sit before you during a seminar that you're presenting, you tend to be very good at what you do. So if it's autoimmunity, I know it. So what is it that makes a person susceptible to autoimmunity? And susceptibility means what is it about your body that has you respond to the environment in such a way that you might suffer from diseases of autoimmunity like lupus, Sjogren's disease, scleroderma, Graves' disease, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, diabetes. Those are just a few. And some of the factors that make you susceptible include what, what's called multi-genetic inheritance. It's your genes. And your genetics is impacted by your environment, meaning your immune system might work perfectly fine. But if you're exposed to some plastic chemical in the environment, the air you breathe, and or if you're exposed to, again, mercury or arsenic or cadmium or various other chemicals, your genes may flip on in a violent sort of way, causing an aggressive autoimmune reaction. So as we move along, I'm going to clarify for you the challenges that we face in terms of autoimmunity because almost every one of you out there have some amount of autoimmune problem. Then you might be saying, wait a second, I don't have an autoimmune diagnosis. If you age, you're suffering from an autoimmune disease. Aging is an autoimmune disease for most of us. Well, you're thinking, wait a minute, no, aging is a natural process. Well, let's assume for a moment that aging is a natural process. I'll give you that. I'm asserting that most people do not age naturally. So a lot of the symptoms and health problems and the fact that people are uh, suffering from lack of mobility and strength and loss of lean mass and fatigue and brain fogginess and again, mobility overall because of degeneration, maybe for, from years of bad diet or exposure to various type of infections over the course of our lives, most of which we don't even know what those exposures are, caused our bodies to age in a specific kind of a way that is unnatural. So when, when I look at people who are the healthiest of the population, these people are fit and they've got it all going on in terms of health uh, in a way that's so different from the average population. And I'll, I'll give you myself as an example. I've, I've mentioned myself a few times during my shows. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 18. I'm 53 years old now. I work out an hour and a half to sometimes two hours a day, combined weight training and aerobic work. I enjoy karate. 
I have no physical limitations. I don't have any joint pains. I'm muscularly very strong. This is not typical. I have 8% body fat. It's not typical because most people have no idea how to take care of themselves. That's the problem. They think they know. Some know, think they know. They'll say, well, I'm supposed to eat this way. This is a healthy way. I'll take these supplements. That's right. I do some yoga. That might work for certain people, but it's always best to find out what your needs actually are and give your body what it needs for what it needs so that it heals better. If your body is regenerating better than it is degenerating, then you age much better, much better. Now, what's very interesting about autoimmune diseases or just aging badly, if you're, if you feel you're aging badly, if you can't, if you can't run a quarter of a mile and you're, you're less than 80 years old, well, I would even say after that, but I'm being kind here. There's something wrong. So one of the challenges facing practitioners and scientists about autoimmunity is identifying the challenges to the immune system and how those challenges trigger loss of what's called tolerance of the body to, let's say, toxins that then result in autoimmune reactivity. So for example, we're all exposed to heavy metals and plastics right now, but some of us are exposed and they're exposed and they're exposed. And then based on their genetics and, and the load of exposure, their particular bodies just break down and cause autoimmune stress. But another person does not suffer from that problem. So that's called tolerance. If you're managing and you're not developing autoimmune diseases, and by the way, autoimmune diseases also look like arthritis. They also look like poor memory. Almost any chronic symptom that you can name, there has been some evidence that there is an autoimmune relationship. So I want to make something very clear. Now, I gave you a short list of some autoimmune diseases, but most disease has autoimmune components. And if I were to check your blood work for antibodies anti-the-body, chemicals made by the immune system that attack the body, I would find them directed towards a lot of different tissues. And when your immune system starts to make these antibodies, they're these aggressive, like, they're like little Pac-Man from that game Pac-Man, you know? They eat up, they gobble stuff up. But they wouldn't gobble things up if those things, your body, your body tissues, your body cells, looked more normal. It's only when things break down and look foreign that a whirlwind of events occur of degeneration, then autoantibodies form, then degeneration, and then antibodies, and this vicious cycle of breakdown happens. So let's talk about autoimmunity and what they call the extrinsic factors. So what are those? You know what they are. They're drugs, drugs that trigger autoimmune disease, other chemicals in the environments, microbes, Viruses can trigger autoimmunity, parasites, bacteria, fungi, all kinds of bugs. Or it could be bugs plus chemicals that tip your immune system too far over into the autoimmunity. And then it's just all downhill literally from then. And then a combination of different factors. It's almost never one factor that plays upon your body, right? Over the course of your lifetime that could trigger autoimmune disease. Again, it could be a little bit of mercury here, a little bit of chemical plastics over here. It could be the fact that you had a virus one too many times and then boom, your immune system kicks in and then systemic autoimmune diseases such as lupus happen or rheumatoid arthritis or just regular arthritis. All of this stuff is autoimmunity. What's so fascinating, I must say, about autoimmunity is that Things that you wouldn't even think about are autoimmune and because we don't get these connections, our treatments don't work. For example, allergies, either food allergies or environmental chemicals trigger autoimmune reactions. When your blood vessels age over time, they break down and if the body can't fix them up, they become foreign looking and the immune system attacks your blood vessels causing hardening of the arteries. And that inflammation, by the way, folks, that drives autoimmunity, it's all inflammation, causes calcium to accumulate wherever that inflammation is, which just messes up further 
how the tissues heal. Uh, celiac disease, gluten intolerance, even what's called non-celiac gluten intolerance, which means that gluten is always a problem. In one of the conditions, you can fix the body's immune system and add the gluten back. In celiac disease, you cannot create a situation where someone's immune system can eventually tolerate it. But the reason I'm mentioning celiac disease and non-celiac gluten intolerance is they're both autoimmune conditions. And then there's the inflammatory bowel conditions, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, proctitis. What happens is the immune system directs itself against the colon or the small intestine in those diseases of the gut. And the reason why the immune system goes for that tissue as if it's foreign is maybe again, a virus got into those cells, created some damage or parasites. And all of that, of course, resulting in inflammation yet again. So it's not enough for you to just take some supplements or foods that are said to be anti-inflammatory. They have to be anti-inflammatory for the particular type of inflammatory process and autoimmune process we are talking about. Make sense? And then I had mentioned Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is low thyroid function, because antibodies, anti-the-body chemicals, are directing themselves against the person's thyroid tissue or the enzymes that the thyroid needs to make thyroid hormones or both. Let me say that again. In some types of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is inflammation of the thyroid gland causing low thyroid because of autoimmunity, there are going to be antibodies, right? Because it's autoimmune disease. These antibodies for thyroid are attacking the thyroid tissue. They also might attack the enzymes that make thyroid hormone or the antibodies can attack both the thyroid tissue and the enzymes that make thyroid hormone. The reason why I'm giving you this detail is because most of you listening, whether you know it or not, have some form of autoimmune problem and you must know something about the condition so that the nutrition is focused correctly. So for example, you might say, well, thyroid, well, I'll just take iodine. That, that's great for the thyroid. Well, iodine, if you do not need it, will actually cause inflammation of the thyroid. And if there's no problem with iodine, then there's no problem with iodine. Uh, maybe the problem is the antibodies attacking an enzyme, like I said, that helps, that normally it would make thyroid hormone in the body. So the nutrition would have to be whatever that nutrition is that would have the body make more of that enzyme that's being interfered with by antibodies. And that might be selenium, for example. And the same thing happens whether we're talking about Graves' disease, which is another autoimmune disease, but the thyroid function is hyper, it's super, super high. Again, the nutrition is completely different. Now, what if you had two or three of these conditions or you're on other medications and you had allergies? Then that's how a talented practitioner would adjust things to match your needs. This is why so few people overall, when they're dealing with autoimmune disease, are successful nutritionally. They just miss the individualization part. So what do we know about autoimmune disease? We know that the autoimmune process is a negative one where one's immune system attacks their own body tissues. And it can be in any single organ and it can be triggered by any number of toxins in the environment. And we named some of them before in uh, general terms, chemicals, medications, infections, heavy metal toxins, for example. My goodness, even, even heartburn can be an autoimmune process because heartburn means that you have stomach acid that's not staying in the stomach, that's moving up in the esophagus, causing damage to the cells. If the body can't repair those cells, those cells become more abnormal and a condition of abnormal cells can develop 
called Barrett's esophagitis, which generally leads to cancer. If you cannot motivate the healing of the body to exceed the degeneration in the esophagus in this example, then you're in trouble. So what I do is I have to know everything about the immune disorder. Then I have to know what there is to know about you. What are your genetics? What are your sleep habits? What are your exercise habits or lack thereof? What supplements have you been taking? Do you have any testing that I can see? I would probably need to take further tests. And one of the things that I do that's unique as a blood detective is I compare a person's lab results to healthy results. Meaning, when you get blood work done, your labs are comparing you, your doctors are comparing your labs to other people, either men or women, in your age group. They're not comparing you to the healthiest people on the planet in your age group. So I had a woman yesterday who was in her 80s. She was having a very hard time understanding this because she said, I have all of these problems. My doctor tells me my labs are normal. I said, yes, you're, they're normal because they're comparing you to other women in your age bracket who generally have symptoms like yours. And since you don't have an outright disease and the ranges get wider and wider and wider as you get older, your labs look more and more normal or accepted. But if I compared, I said to her, your labs to someone who's 20 years younger than you, you'd have lots of abnormal testing that would probably point me right to the problems. Again, she was so, um, what's the word? She was so confused by this because she was brainwashed. That's what I'm looking for. She was so brainwashed into thinking, but normal labs are normal labs. My doctor knows all. What, what do you mean? Even though she didn't feel well in so many ways, she couldn't reconcile with the, that her labs are not best for her. That was what I found the most interesting. She was legitimately confused. So when I look at your lab work and I look at your white blood cell count, which is part of your immune system, I want to know if you have a normal number of white blood cells, but I want to know if your white blood cells are moving normally. Do they look normal? Maybe you feel better when your white blood cell count is on the low end of normal, or maybe you'll feel better if your white blood cell count is on the high end of normal. But high and low end of normal are really not considerations in traditional medicine. Their approach is very matter of fact, very black and white. And black and white thinking is generally not good from a psychological point of view. It just doesn't see the gradations in the middle. So to put it another way, a common sense way, if you're not feeling well and your labs are normal, then you need new normals, plain and simple. So when I look at a person's lab tests, I look at them in the context of healthy, and if they're feeling not well and their labs look fine, they're either missing lab tests or the lab tests are misinterpreted, or they need to have their normal testing somewhere in the normal range that is different from where they have it now. So I like to look at tests like the white blood cell count, the complete blood count with the red blood cells included. I need to know the size of the cells because, you know, very large red blood cells, for example, large red blood cells are common in all variety of autoimmune diseases, and they indicate an increased need for B6, B12, folic acid, vitamin C, E, and B1, that one finding of large cells. You might say, well, that's interesting. I, I mean, I'm on some of those things, but those are not the things that my book on immunity says I should take. How could a book know what you need? It, it, it just can't. I might want to know your C-reactive protein, a very important inflammatory mediator that responds to lipoic acid, vitamin E, and various phytonutrient antioxidants. For autoimmunity, since you want to look at causes, I would want to check for metals. I would do blood and urine metals testing. You need to do both because metals can hide out in different places. And if you have done, some of you, testing where you've 
had your metals checked and you were given an amino acid by mouth that helps pull the metals out, then your test is entirely wrong. Because any person you give a oral chelator to, that's a substance that pulls out metals, will have a positive urine test. You want to know if you have metals coming out without having to pull them out. It's a little more complex, uh, this discussion, but um, sometimes practitioners will, I'm sad to say, mislead their patients by making them heavy metal scared by giving them these oral chelators. Uh, and oral chelators will pull out metals that we're all normally exposed to. If you're randomly losing metals, that's a different story. Plus, you want to look at the rest of the your whole health picture and your other labs to know how metals are affecting you. If your liver, for example, can make a protein that sticks to the metal, it prevents the metal from actually harming you, you can have a ton of those metals in you. They're no problem. But if your practitioner is saying, look at all these metals you have in you and doesn't explain, yeah, but those are the ones that are bound to, to proteins and they don't harm you, you would be very confused if you knew about this. And then, depending upon uh, your profession, environmental chemicals could make your autoimmune conditions more likely triggered by these chemicals. I had a brief discussion yesterday with a gentleman who was telling me about his severe atrophy, that shrinkage of his musculoskeletal system. He could barely walk. And about five minutes into the conversation, I said, well, what did, you're retired now. What did you do for a living? He said, I owned a automotive repair shop, but we specialized in installing and repairing uh, leather and plastics issues with the cars. We would be soldering plastics and there would be fumes all over the place. I said, this is likely the cause of your autoimmune problem. We know that plastics are some of the most toxic triggers of autoimmune disease and cancers that we know about. And he was never even asked this question by any of the doctors that he had seen over years. It's unbelievable to me. You know, and regarding testing, every day I see on testing all sorts of things missed by doctors. Again, even well-intentioned doctors. I want to give you an example. So on every blood test, there is a measurement called total protein. And listen to the word. Total protein means total protein. So the total protein number on the blood test is all of the different proteins added up together. They're the total of the proteins. Now, sometimes people might have that slightly increased or, or very increased. And that means there's too much of one or more proteins. When I see that test, if I do another test to measure all the little types of proteins, and it says, oh, the total protein is high in this person because they have too many proteins called IgMs. The IgMs increase from heavy metal exposure. And the Ig is the immunoglobin, that's your immune system. So a total protein measurement, I'll often see a little bit high. And that means there's autoimmunity caused by metals if the IgM is high. But could you still have autoimmune disease, but your total proteins are normal? The answer is yes. How? Easy. If your total protein's normal and you show all these signs and symptoms of autoimmunity, that just means this. Let's say the total protein is high in IgM, but maybe the other proteins are low or low normal. If you add up the low or low normal proteins and the high IgM, the total can be on average normal. So the test of total proteins can look fine, except it's not, because if you took the total protein broke it up into all its proteins, you can have the autoimmune toxic proteins high, but other ones could be low or low normal, so the total on average looks normal. This is how a normal test can fool you. And people say to me, but Dr. Well, they have all these symptoms of autoimmunity, my blood is normal. The doctors didn't look into the total proteins, but it doesn't just, this is not just limited to this one test. There are many other tests that can be read this way. 
And these are correct ways of interpreting tests, but doctors sometimes do not really know how to, how to read these tests. So when we're talking about autoimmune triggers, we're talking about, as I mentioned before, genetics can predispose you. If you have physical stress, emotional stress, that is going to affect your immune system, making you susceptible to all kinds of things in your environment, like plastics and metals, that were not an issue before, for, by some miracle you're managing just fine, but then your emotional system just kicks in, your adrenals just tank, and then these, these toxins become a problem, causing inflammation everywhere, and depending upon what, what tissues have most of the inflammation, you have symptoms. Now, autoimmunity can also be triggered by hormone problems. Hormones might diminish as you age, but hormones are, they're meant, part of their, their function is for repair. Like if your testosterone or estrogen levels are dropping, you might lose muscle tone and structure, the brain might shrink a little bit, uh, all sorts of things happen to tissues. The tissues are simply getting older. If they're getting older, they're breaking up. If they're getting breaking, uh, broken up, they're getting broken up because of inflammation. <clears throat> if they're getting broken up, that means the immune system says, hey, I don't like you. That means it makes antibodies. It goes for it. It breaks down the tissue even more. Vicious cycle. You got it? <laughs> okay. Even allergies. If you have allergies to environmental chemicals, if you have allergies to foods, allergies promote inflammation. Inflammatory mediators, inflammatory chemicals that are produced in your body from allergies circulate in your body, right? And then they release, they circulate in the form of uh, activating cells called mast cells or mast cells, M-A-S-T. And these cells release histamine. Histamine creates a cascade of inflammation, once again, triggering autoimmunity. If, so let me backtrack again. So we know that allergies can trigger inflammation, causing autoimmunity, creating symptoms anywhere. Hormonal deficiencies or imbalances, and by the way, hormonal deficiencies can be caused by heavy metals. Metals disrupt hormones. So when we talk about causes, it takes a lot of work to look into these things. <clears throat> Prolonged physical and emotional stress, that will absolutely break down your body system. And I've mentioned a number of times, heavy metals. Food and Drug Administration says, hey, don't worry about it. Just eat fish no more than twice a week if you're pregnant or you're a child or you're old. And if you're none of those things, you can have it three or more times a week. Somehow it's less toxic for someone who's not old and... Uh, pregnant or a young person, um, toxicity is toxicity. But the FDA will say, wait, that's a legal limit of exposure, but they don't add up all the other exposures in your life of metals that would throw you over the top in terms of exposure and toxicity. But even if the FDA <clears throat> was right and said, no, 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 you're exposed to some metals and toxins, but the levels are acceptable, meaning by definition, in most people, they will not cause problems. First of all, folks, I don't believe that for a minute because it does not cause problems. So maybe it's just that, and I'm gonna be very straightforward when I say this to you. When they say it does not cause problems, they mean that doctors are not reporting problems. Are these the same doctors that have no clue about the effects of environment upon the body and autoimmunity and disease for the most part? So the surveillance and the record keeping in terms of reporting, what does the FDA really know anyway? In certain areas, I assert absolutely nothing. And it may be in some other areas, they know something. But here's another little twist. All right, I'll give you FDA that, yeah, the average person with all their exposures in life are, are still within the limit of allowable mercury that shouldn't cause problems with them in most people at those levels. But what if, in addition to that mercury, you have a very stressful life? What if you're taking two, three, four medications? What if you're breathing various pollutants in the air? What about those combination of things? This is not something that is appreciated by either scientists or certainly not the FDA, with all due respect. And then what about if you have some radiation exposure? 
Radiation exposure is bad. So radiation, radiation exposure comes in many forms. We're exposed to it right now when you're sitting in your bedroom or in your kitchen or walking on the street. The majority of it comes from space, uh, hitting the earth and going right through your body. Some of that radiation is not harmful and a good amount of it is harmful. And then there is medically ex expo medical exposure to radiation, such as PET scans and CT scans and x-rays. And the last statistics I looked showed that a good amount of uh, medical radiation is responsible for something like eight to 10% of cancers. And that I think is probably very low because I don't really believe that doctors or researchers really are, I think they're underestimating it. Uh, it's, I mean, how well, the studies I've read that have come up with that number are simply just not thorough. Um, so it's been underestimated for sure, but most of us with any common sense know that radiation is bad. Doctors do not keep any records of radiation exposure at all. It's not like they have some central database where every time you get some radiation exposure, it, it, it adds up and a, a light, uh, you know, a button comes, you know, starts flashing saying, oh my God, this person should not get any more radiation because it's going to cause everything from lymphoma to uh, rheumatoid arthritis to anything. Radiation can damage your genetics. Radiation creates oxidative stress. Radiation is, is, is adverse to basically all cellular functions. So I always consider it an environmental trigger of autoimmunity and I give the right antioxidants and I use testing to dose the antioxidants against the person to make sure they're getting the right dose. If radiation causes, let's say, oxidation in the body, we'll call it a level five, and I give you the right antioxidants and then eventually your level goes down to zero to one, I know we're doing a good job. And then what about environmental food triggers. Well, environmental influences upon immunity do include foods. Now, certain foods are quite obviously bad for the immune system and can trigger autoimmunity. And you know, they'll include saturated fats, trans fats, obviously. Diets that contain good amounts of refined and processed carbohydrates, things of that nature. Overuse of alcohol, definitely, of course, tobacco, and certain recreational drugs, many prescribed drugs, certainly antibiotics are very toxic to the immune system. So like every medication should be used only when absolutely necessary in the minimum dose and along with the appropriate nutrition to offset the effects, the adverse effects on the body of these medications and to improve the way the body can tolerate it. And then I had mentioned earlier about microbes, viruses, bacteria, parasites. When we're exposed to these things, let's say parasites in food, we might not get any intestinal symptoms. The symptoms might simply be degeneration of brain matter in dementia from a parasite in the gut, not diarrhea, which is typical of what you hear about parasites. And these different bugs, let's say viruses, they can trigger autoimmunity because viruses, like any other microbes, they can slip inside of cells and damage them in such a way that the cells simply act abnormally. And then they can't repair. And then the immune system sees that as foreign. This is sounding familiar now, right, everyone? And then the body's struggling to repair and then I see individuals who are taking certain nutrients, but they're not taking the right types for these different triggers. So it's very important that if you think from this conversation that you have some sort of environmental trigger or triggers for your immune system or for whatever health problem that you have that you may have not even considered an immune problem before this conversation, you very well might have an immune problem Please think of it this way. Think about the most common autoimmune diseases you've heard about. Rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, again, scleroderma, lupus, diabetes, Hashimoto's thyroid. And 
in your mind's eye, I'm sorry about that blank spot there, in your mind's eye, put those conditions all the way to the left, okay, like your left hand. Uh, all the way to your right, you have uh, birth, and then between your right hand and your left hand, from all the way from one extreme to the other, you have growing up and aging, 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 things breaking down, you having all your symptoms and problems, and then eventually autoimmune diseases that are so obviously autoimmune diseases, all the doctors recognize them and agree they're autoimmune diseases. But I believe that most autoimmune diseases manifest not as diagnoses, but as all of the problems that you've experienced, for example, that have not been diagnosed as an autoimmune condition because they don't fit a textbook, but they do involve the immune system and they're on the way from healthy birth and you know everything from the right side of your mind's eye all the way to your left side. So you can't avoid autoimmunity if you live on the planet Earth. If you're aging, then you've got autoimmune issues. That's just the way that that goes. And I'm always astounded when a patient will say to me, well, Dr. Wald, what, what, uh, what effect does stress, if anything, have upon my, my illness and my healing and all of that? And I will say everything. But it's not just your exposure to stress, because remember, stress is not something at least psychological stress that exists in the, in the world. There's no stress in the world. There are things happening in the world. Stress is only in perception. It only lives in your head. So you have all the control over how you respond to something. So you might say, what do you mean? I mean, there are horrible things that happen. So those are stressful, no matter what I think about them. Well, that's not exactly true because there are other people that also believe that there are things that are terrible going on in the world, but they may not react in this hyperadrenal way. They might say, well, these are horrible things and I'm going to do what I can as a human being to manage these things and their body doesn't suffer from it. Um, they filter it differently. If you filter it in any other way than that, you're stressing your body out more. And I'm not making a judgment on you here to say that well, some people would think that the more upset they are and the more stressed out they are, somehow that might even mean or look like they care more than others. Whether that philosophy is true or not, let me not go there. But I will say that that will age your, bo age your body. And as your body is aging, it is uh, basically becoming a magnet for autoimmune inflammation. So what do you need to know about autoimmune disease? First of all, that aging itself is an autoimmune disease. And aging, everyone, is actually an allergy. When you really think about this, I'm saying the same thing, but just using different words. Autoimmune disease means your body's attacking yourself through inflammation, things are breaking down. Some of the things that break the body down are the very same things that cause allergic reactions, like histamine and certain inflammatory chemicals called cytokines. And then when tissues break down, there's oxidative stress and acidity happens and tissue destruction happens and hormones decline and you lose lean body mass and you lose lean organ mass. And because your cells <clears throat> and your tissues are breaking down, they continue to break down. So autoimmune disease is an allergy. Aging is an allergy and aging is an autoimmune disease which can be triggered by any number of immune stressors. We've named a ton of them so far. So what do you do? What do you do about this? Well, number one is you wanna eat right. What is eating right? Well, eating right has something to do with eating lower down on the food chain, more fruits, more vegetables, but not fruits and vegetables that you're allergic to. Eating more beans, raw nuts and seeds, Again, as long as you don't have any intolerances to these things. If you have any intolerances to foods, you might need digestive enzymes to break those foods down. Because if you don't break those foods down, those foods are too large molecularly, they're not broken down. So they irritate your intestinal tract, they cause a leakiness in the gut. Those, those undigested or partly digested food products, they leak out into your circulation through your gastrointestinal tract. Your immune system says, what the heck are you doing here? creates all these autoimmune antibodies, throwing every bomb it can at these foreign substances. 
uh, cytokine bombs, uh, histamine bombs, all sorts of inflammatory chemicals. So what do you do to combat all this? Well, the rest of the diet has to do with what the immune conditions are in you as opposed to the next person. So there is no autoimmune diet. There is eating lower down on the food chain, which is less inflammatory, probably almost certainly eliminating or extremely uh, or, or definitely limiting uh, dairy products and, and animal-based products. But sometimes the combinations of foods may need to differ as we go through different healing phases with a person. So we start with a, you know, a vegan type of a plan, but you might need specific foods within that for your particular condition. Now, and then there's supplementation. So when you consider supplementation, folks, this is important. You, you may not really have heard this before. Everyone talks about, oh, take vitamins, take them, take these supplements. But, but how much should you take? Well, first of all, the recommended, there's the recommended dose on the containers, you know, the vitamins themselves. Those are based on nothing. Well, they might be based on what some research says is the dose for the use of the, that nutrient or nutrients for a particular condition. But you're not any one thing. So everything from conversation with you, questionnaires, lab testing, history, all of these are things that go into figuring out what the right doses are for you of what natural substances. So you may not be just taking the recommended dose on a container. You might be taking a lot more. You might be taking less. Also, the dose of the nutrients that you take need to be based on your tolerance. One of the most important things I've talked about in all of my shows is how much vitamin C you can tolerate taking until it causes diarrhea, which generally means your body's saturated with vitamin C. And then your body says, hey, I, I, there's no, nowhere else to put this stuff. So it lets it out in the stool. It's the greatest cure for constipation. It contracts the intestinal tract. It exercises the muscular layers, which is a healthy thing. It helps to clean up leaky gut. We're talking about a vitamin C flush using a buffered powdered vitamin C. I have something called Detox Eliminate. You can see that on my, my blood detective website or my website at um, uh, Dr. Michael Wald. Or you can go to intmedny.com, intmedny.com, and look for the supplement section for Detox Eliminate. Definitely on the homepage, take my 30-second questionnaire. You'll see it on the first page on the right. And be aware that I provide distance consultations and in-person consultations. But there's a ton, a ton of content on the website about all of these topics. You'll see a search bar. It's clearly marked on the front, on the homepage. Just type in what you want or watch any number of my, my videos. I have 60 plus videos under the video section, which you'll see on the homepage at the top or listen to the other radio shows, which you'll see in the blog section at the top of the website. My number, by the way, is 914-552-1442. And I work with a number of you by distance, and I love it, because we talk, right? Those of you who know, and it's just like we're sitting in front of one another. So it's working out great. Okay, the supplements we were talking about, number one, do you take the dose on the bottle? Maybe yes, maybe no. Then we talked about tolerance, how much of vitamin C do you tolerate? There are other tolerance tests that you might need to undergo. I have several of them that I use with my patients because if you don't saturate and get the or get 100% of the dose that someone needs for an autoimmune condition or any condition, you're underdosing. It's not enough that you're taking um, the supplement that you need. You must take the right dose. The right dose is something that you might need help in figuring out. Also, maybe the dose of whatever supplement or supplements you're taking is based upon your response to it. Oftentimes, I might give someone a dose that normally I would think is too high or even too low for them, but because I've gathered enough information from them, I've looked at tests, I've spoken to them, they've filled out questionnaires to me that I've interpreted, I always look for the least amount of the dose that gives the greatest therapeutic response. Again, not just an autoimmune disease, combating environmental stressors like metals in the environment, like microbes in the environment, 
like plastics and, and plastic hormones, things called xenobiotics, which basically are toxins in the environment that make their way into the human body and trigger all sorts of ill health effects, particularly autoimmune problems. Then another factor to determine what dose you should take, because everyone needs nutritional supplements, everyone, is adjusting it based upon your laboratory work. But it's got to be the right laboratory work, everyone. If I had a nickel for every time someone said, Dr. Wald, I had my blood test checked and my serum level is fine in selenium or C or zinc. What the person doesn't know is that the serum or plasma level, and I've said this before, just expresses about three or five days of your nutritional intake. The type of test that should be done with vitamins, if they exist for that particular vitamin of interest, is tests that tell us the function of the supplement, not the level. Sometimes we want a level. We want a vitamin D3 level, yes. But there is a way to tell if someone is using the vitamin D3. There's a different test for that. There's a test for use of vitamin C as well. Earlier on the show, I mentioned if your red blood cells are too large, and you'd only know that if someone looked under the microscope, and if your cholesterol isn't 300 or more and you haven't had chemotherapy recently, which can cause large cells, the most common reason for the large cells is when your body does not use a bunch of B vitamins, right? Also vitamin E and C. Use means, like used well, means the cell will go down to a normal size. What the serum or plasma level is tells us nothing about the effects upon the red blood cell. And the red blood cell is considered useful for figuring out how certain nutrients are used in the entire body. Another way that I figure out what supplements that a person needs is based upon what I call their body systems. You know what I'm talking about. You have a cardiovascular body system and you have an endocrine body system and you have a lymphatic body system, a GI body system, etc. When I do a nutritional interpretation of your blood, where I'm comparing your testing to healthy people, not just average people your age, I'm able to categorize the different abnormal tests in these body systems. So maybe you have six abnormal tests that have to do with your heart and five that have to do with your liver. So I know that your heart is the weakest body system. I might wanna focus on that more than your liver, which is the second weakest body system nutritionally speaking. So there are scientific ways to prioritize how you use nutrients. And then, of course, I mentioned comparing your blood work to healthy individuals, not merely average individuals. So a couple of specifics before we end about supplementation. I use detox absorb, detox absorb, which is enzymes. Enzymes help you digest your food. Digested food means your tissues can build up better. If they build up better, they're not degenerating as much. So the autoimmune system or the antibodies in the body will attack those tissues less that are getting the nutrition that the enzymes help made available. Make sense? Good. And then I use buffered vitamin C because every tissue requires it. It builds up all lean body mass and is an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant if used correctly, which reduces a lot of oxidative stress caused by environmental triggers, which then further trigger autoimmunity. I'd also use krill oil. I have a blood detective krill oil and a DHA, not, not DHEA, DHA, which are fatty acids that are good for different parts of the body and the body as a whole. All of the cells in the body that break down from autoimmunity, they contain fatty acids like krill oil and DHA. So the right amounts of these nutrients must be used as well. They're fundamental for helping cellular structure recover and re redu reduction of inflammation and oxidation. You know, I keep saying inflammation, oxidation. Um, you have to understand 
that dealing with inflammation and oxidation, which are essentially the same things, which is the same thing as autoimmunity. So inflammation equals autoimmunity equals allergy equals aging equals every disease you can name. If there are multiple, multiple types of antioxidants and anti-inflammatories and antihistamines that sometimes need to be used, not any one thing. So in other words, I'm saying, if someone says you need an anti antioxidants, you wouldn't just take vitamin C. You might take six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 different antioxidants because they work differently in the body in different places. So this can be figured out by someone who knows what they're doing, by looking at your labs, the common sense. I, I bring 30 years uh, to the table of experience, um, what the medical and nutrition uh, literature say. All of these are very, very important factors. Then you might need heavy metal chelators to remove metals, but that's just part of it. You need to also build up your system so that it doesn't accumulate the metals again. That's called bioaccumulation. I almost never see that happening. The best I see is people are given chelators and then they're given some minerals to offset the mineral loss from the, the chelators, but no repair of the cells overall, not just the liver, and their ability to overcome the daily burden of, or yeah, daily burden of heavy metals. If the body is strong enough to get rid of what it's exposed to every day, then you're good. And then of course, there's all sorts of phytonutrients, plant nutrients that detoxify, that are anti-inflammatories, that are anti-radiation. And you'll find a lot of those in my detox superfoods, which I call detox one, two, three, four. And you can look at them on my site at intmedny.com. Just click the supplements button. You can also just email me. And for those of you who want to see me, feel free to give me a call at 914-552-1442. I can be available to you at a distance or face-to-face. I definitely need to know show ideas. So please keep them coming. Email me at info at blooddetective.com. So in conclusion, what I hope you can appreciate now, if you didn't before, and hopefully more now than ever before, is that we are constantly bombarded by environmental triggers. Triggers can trigger adverse events, adverse reactions, biochemical reactions in our bodies. If our bodies are not able to overcome and repair in the face of the multiple triggers, our body simply breaks down. I personally believe that environmental triggers are, well, underappreciated even by the holistic community. Everyone talks about them. I don't see them looking for them or talking with their patients about what you can do daily to protect yourself. What there is for you to do daily to protect yourself against environmental triggers that can trigger autoimmune disease in you are along the lines of all the different things that I said today, but what I could not say today, because it's not possible, is how exactly you need to get this done. How exactly you need to get this done, and by this I mean getting your immune system under control too much of a good thing is autoimmunity. We need to bring it down. With autoimmunity, you're hyper-using nutrients. Your body is breaking down. You need to build it up faster than the breakdown. That takes consistent efforts. You can't miss two, three, five days of dosing. It's imperative that you're consistent every day. And if you miss a day or two, you need to be educated about how you can adjust what you are doing to make up for the days you miss. Because look, the reality is we are human beings. My goal is always to make sure that those that I work with can have a chance at being successful at this. Sometimes building health and avoiding disease is very difficult. But the challenge for me is I have to come up with a plan that can ensure the success of anyone that tries it, or at least increases the probability because it is doable and it is thorough. So once again, 
Thank you for all for listening. My name is Dr. Michael Wall. You can call me at 914-552-1442. Email me at info at blooddetective.com. Check out my website and do my questionnaire on the homepage. I'd love to know your answers at intmedny.com. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.